Now we're in a series called Thrive, where we're taking a look at Daniel's life and all the tests that he went through. And the underlying premise of this series is that with every test, uh, there's, uh, there's a blessing, and that stress comes before success. And we've taken a look at a number of different tests. Today, we're going to take a look at the eighth test of Daniel. And at this point in time, Daniel, honestly, he is an old man. When we started this book, he was 15 years old. He was a 15-year-old POW when he encountered his first test. In his 20s and 30s, he had some more tests. When he was in his 50s, he had more tests. And now he is 82 years old. He has survived three kings and two different kingdoms, the Babylonians and the Persians. And every single new administration that has come in, every new empire that has come in, that emperor says, I want to keep you around. Now, this is unusual. We find this even in our own politics here in America. Oftentimes with a new administration, they clear the deck. But Daniel keeps getting rehired again and again and again. And with those hirings, folks, he gets promoted. Now his new boss is uh, Darius the Mede. He is a general with Cyrus the Great. Darius the Mede actually has killed Daniel's former boss, Belshazzar. Before I went on sabbatical, we talked about Belshazzar. He was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. He did not learn the lessons from the previous generation. Belshazzar was the one who saw the handwriting on the wall that in essence said this, you are dead meat. And Daniel interpreted it. And as a result, he got a promotion. But that promotion for Daniel was short-lived because Belshazzar was killed that night by Darius the Mede. So now Daniel has a new boss. He's not a Babylonian. He is a Persian, and he gets promoted again. Now, when I read the first six chapters of Daniel, my question that comes to the forefront of my mind, and I want to get into this before we get into the meat of this chapter, is why. What was it about Daniel that he just kept getting promoted again and again and again and again? Folks, if we could just understand that, if we could bottle it, we would make a gazillion dollars, would we not? Because everybody wants to get promoted. Everybody wants greater influence. Everybody wants more to be more effective. Everybody wants more money. Why did Daniel keep getting promoted? Well, today in Daniel chapter 6, it tells us three reasons. If you want to get promoted at your work, I want you to pay attention to the next three verses that I'm going to read out of Daniel. Because in those three verses are the three reasons that Daniel kept getting promoted again and again and again. Now remember, Daniel is 82 years old. And understand something. The book of Daniel, starting in Daniel 1 to Daniel chapter 12, He goes from 15 to 85 years old. He's 82 in Daniel chapter 6. 
We're going to summarize 6 through 12 in, in chapter 9 next week. But his best work is still ahead of him at age 85. Don't miss next week. He's 82 years old. And folks, he's not retiring. He doesn't retire. He re-enlists. And he gets promoted. Again and again. Why? Three reasons. The first one is his professional competence made him stand out. He was a gifted leader. But more than that, he was a learner. He was a student. All leaders are learners. The moment you stop learning is the moment you stop leading. He was a student. He was a student of God's word. He was a student of people. He was a student of culture. He was a student of history. And as a result, he kept learning more and more. And with more learning, he became better and better and better. And the more better he got, the more promoted he was. Truly, there are some careers that, that they peak early. 17-year-old female gymnasts, their peak is at age 17. NFL football players, they peak around age 28 or 29, unless you're Tom Brady. Who cheats? No, just kidding. <laughs> I told you I'm back, okay? I just, I'm in McDonald's. As you know, that's my hangout place, right? And I'm working on the message in the morning this past week, and, and uh, there's this lady, I don't know, she's sitting over there. Can you believe that? She's looking at me. I said, I'm not paying attention to you. What's going on? Tom Brady, two, uh, $7 million in two years, or $70 million in two years. And, oh, my goodness gracious. Most NFL players peak at the age 28 or 29. But if you are a man or a woman who says, you know what, I want to be wise. At 82, you can be wiser than when you were 80 or 81. It is one area you can just keep growing in. And Daniel did, and with it came his, comp his competence. It raised. Take a look at Daniel 6, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself above all the other governors and administrators, that is satraps, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to put Daniel in charge of the entire kingdom. Now what you need to understand here, the backdrop, is that when Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Great took over Babylon, they established 120 different states and in every one of those states, there was an administrator. And over those 120 administrators were three governors. And Daniel was one of the three. Why? Because of his professional competence. The second reason is his personal character made him stand out. This man is a man of integrity of generosity, of humility, of godliness, of wisdom. Take a look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4. When the administrators heard the news, they tried to find a reason to undermine Daniel in his work and accuse him of misconduct, but they were unable to do so. They could not find anything to say against him. He was honest, reliable, hardworking, and incorruptible. He was never lazy or negligent in any task. No wonder he got promoted. 
Folks, he is a person of character. And these other officials, they were envious. They were jealous. They didn't like him. Who knows why? We're not for sure why. Maybe it was because he just kept getting promoted. Maybe it's because they wanted what he had. I think it was because, honestly, because he was a believer in the true God. He was Jewish. And they didn't like it. What is this foreigner doing in taking up our place? You see, maybe you're in the workplace. And maybe you're being undermined. Maybe because of your faith. You're a godly person. You're a good person. You're a moral person. And you keep getting promoted because of your work ethic. And so other people don't like you. This is what's happening right here in Daniel's life. Daniel was going to be given the whole kingdom by Darius the Mede. And they said, guess what? This isn't going to happen. And so they set up a trap. But they couldn't find anything against this guy. It says that they couldn't find anything against him. What a testimony. This guy, when they went looking for dirt... They couldn't find anything because he was honest and reliable and hardworking and incorruptible, and he was a man of character. The third reason was his public commitment to God made him stand out. His professional competence, his personal character, his public commitment to God You see, Daniel was very open about his faith, about his love for God, about his commitment to God. Everybody knew that Daniel believed in the living God. In our words, they knew that he was a Christian. Take a look at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 5. His co-workers concluded, our only chance of finding any grounds to get rid of Daniel will be to find something to accuse, to accuse in his religious practices. He's done nothing wrong whatsoever. He is spotless. Folks, do we need leaders in America like that today? Don't get me started. So the satraps, these administrators, concoct a plan Let's read this, Daniel 6, 5 through 9. Finally, these men said, we will never find any reason to accuse Daniel unless it is about the law of his God. So the supervisors and governors went as a group to the king and said, King Darius, live forever. The supervisors, assistant governors, governors, the people who advise you, and the captains of the soldiers have all agreed that you should make a new law for everyone to obey. For the next 30 days, no one should pray to any god or human except you, O king. Anyone who doesn't obey will be thrown into the lion's den. What are these state officials doing? They are appealing to Darius' ego. Now, what you and I need to understand here is that the Babylonians and the the Presbyterians, (laughs) no, And the Persians, maybe the Presbyterians, no, that's not true. Presbyterians aren't going to be what I'm going to say. 
they did not have a standard of religion. They had a Heinz 57's approach, okay? Anything around, take a little here, take a little there. Hey, we'll worship you, O king, okay? In verse 8 and 9, now, O king, make the law and sign your name to it so that it cannot be changed because then it will be a law of the Medes and Persians and cannot be canceled. So King Darius signed the law. You see, the law of the Medes and the Persians is known throughout history. If a king made a law, he himself could not repeal it. He himself could not revoke it. He couldn't rescind it. And that is why these administrators did not want him to come up with an executive order. Executive orders can be switched. But a law, even by a king, could not be done. And so they says, everybody for just 30 days has to pray to you. Folks, they are kissing up. They are feeding his ego. And guess what? He goes for it. These state officials pass a national law to get one guy. They're only worried about one guy, Daniel. He was open about his faith. He openly talked about his faith. He openly practiced his faith. He prayed openly. And they made a law to get him. What is he to do? Well, I think he's got a number of options before him. He could fake praying to the king. I mean, he could just go with the flow. He could protest the law with the sign, I protest this law. It's a crazy law. He could put King Darius as a dummy with a, 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 a rope around his neck. I reject this king. He could privately appeal to him for an exception. Darius and Daniel were tight. He could stop praying for 30 days altogether. I mean, surely God would understand. I'm not going to pray to you, God. I'm not going to pray to anybody. I'm just, just not going to pray. He could keep praying to, his, to the living God, but do it secretly. He could do that. He'd be breaking the law, but no one would know. Or he could keep praying as he has always done. You see, which of these would you have chosen? Would you have chosen the easiest way or the more sacrificial way? How far are you willing to go for your faith? Are you willing to stand up publicly for what you believe? Folks, it's one thing to stand up in church and say, this is what I believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe this is morally light. I believe this is morally wrong. It's one thing to do that in church. It is totally another thing to do that in culture. Are you willing to stand up at the website, at the job site, at the school site, 
in the community, on the golf course. Anybody can stand up and be a secret follower of Christ. In fact, there, there, there is a, a commercial. It's an old commercial. I'll never forget it. It is with hair dye. Lady Clarol. You remember that? Some of you out there remember? Only your hairdresser will know. It's easy to be a secret follower of Christ. But will you stand up and will you speak up? Daniel had a decision to make. And let's read what it was. Look at Daniel 6. When Daniel learned that the new law had been signed, he went home and knelt down to pray as usual in his upstairs room with its windows wide open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done in his entire life, thanking and praising God. So Daniel's enemies went together to Daniel's house to catch him praying and asking for God's help. In essence, he says, you know what, I'm not going to hide. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to pray with my windows open, as I have done for the last 82 years, three times a day, thanking God and praising God and asking for God's help. And I don't have time to go into those three and how this all works together, but we're having a night of worship because we need some breakthroughs in our church, in our community, in our schools, with our kids. And we're going to come together in a night of worship, and we're going to sing songs, and we're going to pray. Don't miss it, 6.30 to 7.30. This is exactly what Daniel's friends wanted him to do. Now, my question, though, is this. Why is Daniel unafraid? Why is he unafraid? He knows that this law can't be changed. He knows that he's going to be thrown in the lion pit. Why is Daniel unafraid to stand up and to speak up for God? Folks, I know a lot of Christians who have a hard time standing up and speaking up for Christ. They are no Daniels. Why is Daniel unafraid to stand up and to speak up for God? Three reasons. If you want to be a more courageous man or a more courageous woman, you need to do these three things that Daniel did. He first remembered that God was faithful to him in his past. Remember, Daniel had been tested from 15 years old. And with every test, God backed him up. God supported him. God, he passed the test in his teens, in his, in his 20s and 30s, in his midlife. And, and now he's being faced, at the, so to speak, at the end of his life with another test. And he reflects and he sees God's faithfulness to protect him. You remember God's faithfulness in your past. When you start to be scared and you think, what will other people think of me if I stand up and I speak out for Christ in this culture that we live in? What will people think of me if I declare my values, my morals, what I believe in. What will they do to me? Just remember God's faithfulness to you in your past. 
Now, I share that for some of the college students that are going back to campuses. Because they've called me, George, I'm going back. I'm a, can we touch base? Just, yep, you bet. Students, when you go back to your campuses, remember God's faithfulness in your past. Second reason he's unafraid is that he had a conversation with God three times a day. It says he went home and knelt down to pray as usual. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done his entire life, praising God, thanking God, and asking God for help. Question, do you think that if you prayed more, if you had more conversations with God these last 82 years, that you would be less insecure? I kind of think so. Will you write this down? The secret of standing strong or standing up for Christ comes through kneeling often. The more you kneel, the stronger you will be. He had a conversation with God three times a day for 82 years. Folks, he was not at all worried of what other people thought of him. He wasn't worried what they would do to him. Why? Because he kneeled often. The third reason that Daniel is unafraid is that he knew the rewards were greater than the risk. Is it risky to break a law? Absolutely. Folks, he could be punished. He could lose his life. This text in Daniel 6, I believe, is extremely important for Christians in the 21st century as America is changing. Because there, mark my words, are going to be laws that are going to be written that you and I will have to disobey. And so, we need to read this chapter. He goes home. He opens the windows. He prays as he has always prayed, three times a day. He doesn't hide it. Why? Because he knew the rewards were greater than the risk. Now, if you struggle with fear, understand this. Anything you want to defeat in the way of fear, that fear that controls you, maybe the fear of disapproval, the fear of rejection, the fear of sharing your faith, the fear of getting involved in a Bible study, the fear of getting baptized, we're having a baptism next week, the fear of getting involved in community. How you overcome that fear is by minimizing the, 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 the possibilities and maximizing the benefits. It is folk, it's getting your eyes off of the possibilities and getting them on to the benefits. Do you know what that is called? That is called faith. Daniel is able to stand strong because he says, you know what, I remember God's faithfulness to me. And I'm going to call that into being right now. And I'm going to get my eyes off 
of the possibilities of what might happen to me. And I am going to focus in on what God has called me to do. And I'm going to believe him and I'm going to trust him. Folks, that's called faith. And with that faith comes benefits. What are the benefits? When you and I kneel often and help us to stand strong. I want you to write these six things down. The first one is this. Standing for God is a victory over fear. Anytime you stand for God, folks, it is a victory over fear. When you stand for God with your neighbors, with, with your schoolmates, in your community, at the golf course, wherever, you have a victory over fear. Now, why is that the case? Well, let me help you understand some things about fear. First of all, fear is a feeling that doesn't last. A lot of times, we often think we, the way we feel, that we're going to feel that way forever. It's just not true. Feelings come and feelings go. When we feel depressed, we think, you know, I'm going to be depressed forever. No, you won't. When we grieve, we think those feelings of grief are going to be there forever. No, they won't. Folks, we think those happy feelings that we have when we go on a transatlantic cruise for two weeks and we've gone to London and Iceland and, and Nova Scotia and Newfoundland are going to last forever. They don't. you got to go back to work. Feelings are here today and they are gone tomorrow. Secondly, Fear, yes, is uncomfortable, but it will not kill you. When you feel afraid and your heart is racing, understand this, you won't die. Fear is nothing more than false evidence that appears real. It is uncomfortable, yes, but it won't kill you. And the third reason is that fear grows when I give into it, but it lessens when I move against it. When I give in to fear, folks, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It will push you into a corner where you feel trapped. But understand this. You can't argue with fear because it does not respond to reason. But it does respond to action. And so you do the very thing that you fear the most. I'm just afraid of being publicly professing my faith and getting baptized. Move against it. Every major decision that I have ever made at LifePoint Church, I was scared to death. But guess what? I did them anyway. Why? Because I don't want my life based on comfort. I want my life based on commitments that I've made before God. That is what is called courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, folks. It is moving ahead in spite of your fears. If you didn't have fear, you and I wouldn't need courage. And so let me ask you this. In an age where we need many, many, many courageous men and women, are you a man or a woman of courage? When was the last time you did something that you feared. 
did you just coast? Or did you just draw back and said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be comfortable? When was the last time you did that? It may be sharing your faith. In these past months, we've been saying, hey, build your team, build your team. I'm going to encourage you. Invite people. August 25th, we're going to have a blast. We're going to have two kickoffs, August 25th and September 8th, I think it is. We've got Labor Day in between. We're going to do something fun for that. But build your team. Get baptized. Get into a group. Every time you stand for God, it is a victory over fear, and it makes you more confident. How do things like this happen in our life? By kneeling often. So let me encourage you to do what the first century Christians did. When culture was against them, Acts 4, at this point in time, there may be, I don't know, maybe four or 5,000 Christians. That's it. And culture is coming against them. But notice what they did in Acts 4.29. Lord, you know, this is a prayer. Lord, you know the threats people make. So help us at, as your servants to speak your word without fear. You pray for courage. You stand up and you speak out. It's always a victory over fear. The second benefit, standing for God builds my faith and my character. You see, faith and character are like a muscle. The only way that you develop your muscles is by putting a little stress on them. It's called exercising. Some of us need to grasp that word, okay? Exercise, weightlifting. The only way that you build your faith is by stretching your faith. And every time you stand for God, and you speak the truth in love, and you share your moral convictions, you become a more godly person. Why? Because it builds your faith. Take a look at 2 Timothy 1.8. You must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer, if necessary, to share the good news. Standing for God is a victory over sin. Standing for God builds my faith and my character. It gives me confidence. It helps me to be more Christ-like. The third benefit, standing for God, gives God an opportunity to do a miracle. The truth of the matter is most people have never seen a true, authentic miracle happen in them and through them. And the reason why is because they've never got out on a limb. They've never gotten out of the comfort of their boat and attempted to walk on water. Folks, when you and I stand up for God in our community, in a gracious and loving way, I'm not talking about being belligerent, you're giving God an opportunity to do a miracle in you and through you at your school, at the golf course, at your workplace. When you and I do that, we can begin to see miracles happen. But if we play it safe in the comfort of our boat, I guarantee you this, we will never see anything happen. I've seen all kinds of miracles happen in my life because I have sought to do some really outrageous things where I truly have painted myself in the corner and I have gotten on my knees and I've said, okay, God, how are we <laughs> gonna get out of this, okay? Okay. God, if you don't come through, I'm sunk. You will never know that God can solve problems until you have a problem. 
get into leadership. Leadership is about solving problems. You will never know a miracle until you take a risk. And Daniel prays, and he did what was unpopular and illegal because he knew God had told him to do that, and he saw a miracle. Why? Because he took a risk. He exercised faith, and faith is the, it's the igniter of getting God moving. And so as a result, he saw a miracle. Take a look at this miracle in Daniel 6, 19 and following. At first at first light of dawn, the king got up. Now, let me stop right there. I, I mentioned earlier that Daniel and, and Darius were tight. Darius loved Daniel. When Darius heard that Daniel was the man going into the lion's pit, folks, it broke his heart. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He couldn't watch any kind of entertainment like TV, okay? He himself was kicking himself. Have you ever done this, done something? You're just kicking himself because he let his ego get out of control. This is what's happening here. Daniel 6, 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the pit filled with lions. When he got there, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God. Notice how it says, has your God. It's not his God yet. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? That's a legitimate question. Daniel asked, O king, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions, and they, gave, and they have not hurt me at all, because God knew I've done nothing against him. Or you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the pit. And when Daniel was lifted out, there was not a single scratch on his body, because he had trusted God. Folks, that's what I call a miracle. He was lifted out of the pit Without a scratch. Are you in the pit today? Has God ever lifted you out of the pit? Or you haven't even suffered a scratch? Maybe you're in one right now. I don't know. You got to do what Daniel did. And it says that the king was overjoyed. Standing strong for God is a victory over fear. Standing strong for God builds my faith and my character. Standing strong for God gives God an opportunity to do a miracle in and through your life. Fourth benefit, it encourages other believers to stand up. Believers will see your courage. I love Braveheart. Mel Gibson, you know that? I tell you, that's a great show. It's a Dennis Tolleson, when we go on mission trips, you know Dennis, he's, he's a hunk of hunk of burning love from Texas Tech, okay? He's my William Wallace. He's courageous. As I'm wrapped up in message and, oh, what about this and what about that? I mean, he leads with courage, and it inspires me. If you have a cowardly leader, I guarantee you this. People will wimp out. When you step out for God, 
and you say, God, I am all in. I am going to speak up for you with grace. Other believers will see and they will respond. Take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 14. Paul said, because of what I've been through, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Your boldness will encourage other believers to speak out. The fifth benefit, it not only encourages believers, but it, it's a powerful example to unbelievers. I really believe the two greatest witnesses or greatest witness, yes, witnesses or tools to unbelievers is how you handle pain and how you handle rejection. You see, it is a powerful testimony to an unbeliever when you say, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do that. My conscience would be violated. I can't violate my conscience. God in his word says that that's wrong. I can't do that. That is a powerful witness to an unbeliever. That's what led me to Christ. My wife stood up against me 45 years ago. Really, it was 46, 47, dating, you know. And says, you know, I'm a Christian. I can't go to those kind of parties. And I went, wow, I want some of that conviction. Folks, it's a powerful witness. Let me give you some examples here. Take a look at Acts 14. This is with Peter and John. When the council saw the boldness of Peter and John, they were amazed since they knew they were just ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. You know where you get courage from? On your knees with Jesus. These guys were just ordinary guys. They, they, they were common people. They were fishermen. They weren't these intellects. Honestly, I really believe that is the finest compliment that you or this church could have. Someone coming along and say, you know, he or she, you know, your church, your church is just a common church. You're not this big mega church. You're just this common church. But I can tell you've been with Jesus. The more you kneel, the stronger you'll be. Let me give you another example. Here, Darius the Mede. After this incident, folks, he becomes a follower of the living God. This is the second person or emperor that Daniel has had an opportunity to lead to the Lord. Look at Daniel 6, 25 and following. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that every, everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Can you believe an unbeliever is giving that testimony. Folks, he has stepped across the line of faith. He is the living God 
who endures forever. And as a result, <clears throat> Daniel prospers. Because he stood up for God and he didn't wimp out. And he sees his boss come to know the Lord. Would you like to see your boss, staff, don't answer that, come to know the Lord? I think a lot of us would. Now here's what I want you to realize. 18 generations after Daniel's life, some wise men from Babylon come because of scriptures, because of Daniel's life, come to the Christ child and kneel and worship and offer gifts. You and I don't realize the impact of a single person standing up for God and speaking out. It will reach your kids. It will reach your grandkids to the third and fourth generation, to generations beyond you and I. It will impact a culture. And the sixth benefit is this. Not only does our fear subside, but the rewards go on forever. Jesus said this on the Sermon of the Mount. Consider yourself blessed if people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you because of me. If that happens, be happy, knowing that you will be rewarded greatly in heaven. And remember, you're in good company. They did the same to all my witnesses before you. For thousands of years, people have suffered for the cause of Christ. And if you and I stand up and we speak out in grace and in favor, God says, you'll be rewarded. Don't forget these six benefits. These will help you and I to stand strong. And I want to end this message by asking this question. Are you going to end well? Are you going to stand strong? This is what I have discovered in 40 plus years of ministry. And that is, the further you kick that can down the road called life, the more you desire comfort and less chaos. And so, you compromise. That's what I've discovered in 40 years, plus years of ministry. Daniel starts strong as a teenager. In midlife, he gets stronger. And now, at the end of his life, in his senior years, he is stronger still. What kept Daniel going? He didn't retire. He re-enlisted. It is because he kneeled often. I want to challenge us in the next couple of weeks to build your teams, to invite people to our kickoff in the fall, September, or not September, August 25th, and then September 8th. We've got two kickoffs. And let us come together as a spiritual family. 
Wednesday night, August 21st, for a night of worship. We're going to have our teens in here. We're going to have our kids. We're just going to worship God, and we're going to pray. God, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with our kids, with our schools, with our community, yada, yada, and see God help us finish strong. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness, personally, for your faithfulness to watch over my wife and I, to renew us, to refresh us relationally, mentally through reading, physically through just resting, taking naps, so that we can run the race. God, I thank you that you're a good God. And I thank you for this church, God. I thank you for the love that they have for you. I thank you, God, for the things that you have done through them in these past 30 years. And God, we're not done yet. We're looking for, we're looking to the future with eager expectation of all the things that you're going to do in us and through us as we attempt some outrageous things for your glory and for other people's good. I don't know where you're at. Maybe today you need to have a, an earnest conversation with Christ because you're wavering in your faith. Maybe you don't even have faith. You've just had thoughts about God in your mind. You haven't dropped, it, dropped him from your head to your heart. This morning I think would be a great morning to do that. Just by saying something like this, God, I admit I've allowed my ego to get out of control. And I've hurt you and I've hurt other people. But today I believe that Christ is the answer. And I'm bending my knee and I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus is going to be my boss from now on. And if that is a prayer that you've prayed in the quietness of your heart, would you let me know on your communication card? Maybe for others of us, we've, we've wavered because life has been hard, and it is hard. And fear oftentimes creeps up within us, and we allow it to control us because we think we can reason with it when what we need to do is we need to react to it. We need to act against it. Will you just talk to God and say, God, help me to not be driven by comfort, but by conviction. Give me strength as I praise you and as I thank you and as I ask you for help. Lord, we give you this day. We thank you for it. We look forward to the fall. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.